With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We are estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven women that are killing it in life. And they deserve to be celebrated. So on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and then in between those interview episodes, we'll be doing segments where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be (laughs) chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s and just learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we We have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Hell yes. Um, Also, we'll be answering listener questions. So make sure to write to us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. So let's jump into the show. Hey guys, welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. This is your host, Elizabeth. And I'm Alex. So the story that we're sharing today is so special to me because not only is it from the woman who inspired me to begin this podcasting journey, but because hers is a story that I think every person listening today needs to hear. The first time I interviewed our guest was back in November, but her story is so inspiring and relevant to today's health crisis that I asked her if we could re-record to include the current crisis in our conversation. Cassie Lopez is the owner of So Gold Studios. She's arguably the best body piercer in New York City, and she is a fucking warrior. Cassie has been featured in The Covetor, Refinery29, Nylon, Elite Daily, Allure, Cosmopolitan, Insider, Elle Australia. I don't even know if I need to say anymore. And her client list includes A-listers, such as Game of Thrones actor Natalie Emanuel. But most importantly, Cassie's an eight-time brain surgery survivor. And she's still with us today because she continuously and relentlessly advocated for herself when doctor after doctor sent her home, dismissing the fluid that was leaking out of her nose as mucus. Some even insinuated that she was mentally unstable. But Cassie never gave up on herself because she knew herself and she knew her body and she knew that something wasn't right. So she continued advocating for herself until one Independence Day she went into an urgent care walk-in center and met the doctor, a woman, who immediately recognized her symptoms and ultimately saved her life. Now more than ever, living in our global community, we can see that life isn't always kind to us all, nor is it fair. If you're any type of minority, this is an obvious statement, even more so if you are a double or triple minority. Although Elizabeth and I are both minorities and that we are women, we are lucky enough to have been born in a first world nation in the 20th century. And if you also have the same small bit of fortune, we believe that you inherently fall into one of these two categories. Either life happens to you or you take control of your life. You can recognize those who take control of their lives, usually within a few moments of speaking with them. It's hard to put your finger on the quality beyond the confidence that lingers on them as they move through spaces both known and foreign, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. These are the souls that Elizabeth and I connect with immediately, and when encouraged to, we will sit back, listen, and take in everything that they're willing to share with us. And trust me, it's hard for the two of us to keep our mouths shut. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Cassie is certainly one of those angels. 
After meeting her for the first time over coffee, it became clear to me that hers is a story that holds the secret to life. You have to be your own advocate. As we said earlier, life can be hard and the world is not fair. We can especially see this right now as we go through the global pandemic. But strength comes from adversity and humans are drawn to those whose stories show the incredibly resilient nature of the human spirit to not only survive, but also to thrive. I also just wanna let everyone know that the story is intense. As Elizabeth mentioned, she is an eight brain surgery. She had eight brain surgeries. Um, so this can be triggering for some people and we definitely describe some graphic details about the serious health condition and the surgeries that Cassie's gone through. So if you have a weak stomach or sensitivity to things of this nature, you might not want to continue. Yeah, but everybody else really listened to this story. The woman is absolutely incredible, and I'm so honored that she sat down with me not once but twice to relive this experience so that you guys can just hear her incredible journey and have some great takeaways. It's a great, great story. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, so without further ado, here is Cassie Lopez, the owner of So Gold Studios. Okay, so if you don't mind just introducing yourself, if you can just say what your name is and what you do for a living. My name is Cassie Lopez March. I am the owner of So Gold Studios. Uh, it's a piercing and jewelry studio in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Cool. So um, I'd like to start at the beginning, if that's okay. So where did you grow up? I technically grew up on Long Island, um, like super far out east. Um, I guess not super far out east, not like the Hamptons or anything like that. Right. <laughs> but uh, just like eastern Long Island in Suffolk County. Spent the bulk of my life out there. My father lived in Bushwick, so I kind of went a little back and forth. I have a lot of family in Brooklyn still. But I am a Long Island girl, and you can hear it in my accent when I speak. <laughs> Strong Island. Oh, it's such a thick accent, and it's just impossible to get rid of. Well, these days, uh, did you see the New York? Do you follow New York, Nico? Yes. Did you? So I'm sure that you, you saw the New York accent. The contest. best New York accent. Oh, yes. Uh, it told you we needed. I was feeling a little bit like God. Everybody wanted to be a New Yorker for so long, and we were such pricks and hated everybody. <laughs> and now everybody hates us. So I like your I, accent. I'm I'm proud I, of the Long Island accent these days. I love a good New York accent. I real, I mean, I can't help it, but I feel like mine. I don't know. But you know, what's funny is I didn't realize how strong my accent was until I started working at New York Adorned, like ten years ago. Uh-huh. And I would have clients. They they would come in because so many of the clients out there in New York City are, you know, they travel from all over. Mm-hmm. So people would be like, "Oh my god, I love your accent. Where are you from?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? Where am I from? <laughs> I'm from here. What do you?" And, and then I would hear it, and I'd be like, oh, my God, it's it's thick. And that's when I realized how bad it was. No, well, you know, it's just a little thick. It's character. Yeah, you know. So um, when you're on Long Island, what did you think that you wanted to be when you were growing up at the time or when you were a kid? I never really thought much about it, honestly. I, um, I mean, my early teenage years, I spent a lot of time partying. So I was never really thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. I just was thinking about partying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I started piercing when I was 17. So I was still in high school. I kind of just dove right into it. And, you know, here I am. What made you interested at 17 um, 
to start piercing. I guess, how did that even come about? Well, I used to pierce. I was like the girl in high school who would pierce everybody. Okay. I just, I would, it it just happened. I used to get, I I used to get pierced all the time. I used to go to St. Mark's and get pierced, you know, $20 for some weirdo behind a curtain. Right. But I had a lot of piercings and I I guess people just automatically were like, oh, I think I can trust her with a needle. I don't know why, but. Yeah. But that's the late 90s, right? Like early aughts? Yes. Yeah, it was a moment. I mean, piercing. Late, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. That was. I mean, in my, I was a kid then, but I remember it was just, I'd never really seen body piercing, like in the 80s, 70s, there wasn't a ton, it wasn't so, such a part of the cultural zeitgeist, I guess, that it was so acceptable, and then it became real cool. Yeah, it was very different. Mm-hmm. So you started piercing friends in high school, and mm-hmm. then where did you go from there? There was a shop that had opened in my hometown, um, maybe like a 10-minute walk from my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to just go hang out there all the time. And the guy that owned it eventually was like, well, if you're going to be here all the time, you may as well make money. Uh-huh. So he taught me how to pierce. And he didn't, he didn't do a good job of it, but he taught me how to pierce. It's so funny. When you're a kid, you just need something to do. And for you, you just went and literally, did you literally just sit around at the tattoo shop? All the time. I just hung out there all the time. And then eventually, and at the time in Suffolk County, you could get, um, it was not a license that you get, but it's like a certification mm-hmm. and that's all you need to legally pierce. Um, and there was very, very few regulations on things. And I went and I took the test and they didn't even ask me for ID. And oh, wow. Yeah. It was really, really <laughs> sketchy, <laughs> but I, I took the exam and I got my certification and I was working in a shop. I would work, I would go to school till like one o'clock and then from two o'clock to 10 o'clock, I was at the shop all day. Oh, wow. So then, um, when you graduated, you graduated high school, I imagine. I shouldn't just make that assumption. I actually dropped out of high school. I, um, yeah, uh, halfway through my senior year, this is where the partying when I was younger comes into play. Um, I wasn't, I would have had to take like summer classes in order to graduate. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right. Um, and you were doing so, a job at the time. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, if I could go back in time, there's a lot of things I would change. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I uh, I dropped out, but I did get my GED the year after. Okay. So. Uh, okay, so now you've got your GED. Are you still working at the same tattoo place? I worked at that, that tattoo shop for a couple of years, and then I actually moved to Philly for probably like three years. I wasn't piercing when I was in Philly. I just, I had a boyfriend and he wanted to move to Philly and I was like, yeah, why not? Young kids. And, you know, it gave me um, a few years to kind of just like, I was living on my own and I was having fun and it was a lot of partying. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I came back home when I was like 20, 21. Okay. And then I started working at another shop where I stayed for a very long time. Okay. And then I started working at New York Adorned. And then I left New York Adorned and then went back. Yes. So what was, what interested you about piercing? Because it's, I mean, I guess we should go ahead and say that you are widely regarded as arguably one of the best piercers in New York, in all of New York City. And so I think it's such an interesting niche to, um, to be in number one, but then to be the best at. And so what gave you that drive to be the best piercer? Or what? where's the passion behind that, I suppose? Um, well, 
chest piercer too. I'm not one of those people that can like handle. I don't know. When people give me titles of things, I'm very like, I don't know. Right. But I mean, I I'm a good piercer. I'm I'm comfortable in saying that. I'll say also, um, you are... didn't say that. I read this on the internet <laughs> when I was doing my research about you. The internet say that you are widely regarded as one of the best piercers in New York City. So I'll toot well, that horn for you, girl. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, New York City luckily has, a, there's a good handful of really amazing piercers. But, I mean, I am truly inspired by a lot of the piercers that are around me in the city. Mm-hmm. Um and the reputable piercing community in New York City is very small. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of piercers. They're not all good piercers. Let's, let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. But the ones that care about their job and want to get better and want to learn more, we all spend a lot of time together. Okay. And we all learn a lot from each other. Mm-hmm. And I think I speak for all of us when I say it pushes us to be better at our job and to, you know, just be better in general, be better people, build better relationships with our clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just, we all have a good rapport with one another and it's really nice to have that community. So I guess, um, what the real question that I'm trying to get to is that body modification and beauty, well, your specific type of body modification and beauty are, are very similar in that, you know, we work with uh, one-on-one with people, obviously. We're helping them with their appearance in one way or another, whether for, in your situation, maybe it's a beauty thing, maybe it's more of a, an artistic thing or something along those lines. But um, do you think that it's the anatomy that made you very interested in becoming piercing, like the, the human body? Do you think it's the idea of uh, adoring the human body? Or like, what is it about that specific niche that, that draws you to it? It's probably a combo of things. When I was in Philly, I actually went to nursing school for a bit. And I learned a lot about human body and anatomy and physiology. And um, I've always had an interest in that aspect of it. But I think what really did it for me was all of the years that I spent working at New York Adorned. Mm. Uh, it really like changed my perspective on the way that the industry could be and the way that things were done because at the time I hadn't been to any other shops that were doing anything like what they were doing. So can you tell um, the listeners what New York Adorned is in case they don't live here, in case they don't know what it is? Yeah, New York Adorned was a massive tattoo shop um, in New York City in the 90s that opened up. And uh, they were really, really famous for tattooing. And then as the years progressed, they got really, really big with their piercings. And they have since closed down the tattoo portion of the shop. And the piercing studio has moved into Love Adorned, which is the owner. Um, her name is Lori Levin. Um, she owns another an, another store called Love Adorned. And basically, New York Adorned is located within that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but New York Adorned had a, a huge, huge impact on my life in so many different ways mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of like pushed me to become a better piercer and to get more knowledge in gold and genuine stones and I spent a lot of time not just with you know high quality body jewelry but being surrounded just by just beautiful jewelry in general since the owner is a jeweler mm-hmm. and we carried a lot of jewelry from other jewelers all around the world mm-hmm. so that kind of gave me that extra push to kind of get deeper into the more fine jewelry aspect of the industry right um I'm such a believer of uh like do and see right like you once you see somebody doing something, you realize like, oh, that's a thing. 
oh, I can do that. But if until you see it, you have no idea that it even exists, right? And then a whole entire world is opened up for you. So that's really awesome. And also, I guess, very lucky, not lucky, but fortunate that you uh, ended up there and it transformed your life. Right place at the right time. And it's funny because I worked at New York Adorn for a little while in probably like 2009. And then I left for a bit and I came back and I was lucky enough to come back just when the piercing industry was really starting to take off in terms of like piercing popularity. Like Mm. piercing has become something that I don't think anybody in the industry really ever anticipated it would become. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I was at the right place at the right time. Yeah. It all just kind of worked out. I mean, that's so, so much of what life is, honestly. I would, I'm, uh, it really is. Listening to Outliers right now, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And that's really mm-hmm. the basis of his thesis is, do you know, we're all, the only luck that we have in life is uh, to whom and when you're born, right? Like where in the world that you're born to and at that time. And uh, what the people who came before you did to get you to that situation, whether it's like family, but in your situation, um, everybody that's around you in the culture that's just like working to make this thing happen so that you can kind of step in and take over. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you mentioned leaving in 2009, right? Did you say? Yes. Okay, so can you tell us why you left the first time? Um, I just wasn't ready. Okay. That's the reality of it. I, uh, it, it's a totally different, it was a totally different atmosphere, totally different world than what I was used to working at like a, a street shop. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready for what it was. So I left for a bit. And when I was ready, luckily that it's, it's so ironic. It's at the time that I had left my previous job or was getting ready to, they had just reached out to me. And had asked me, like, hey, do you know anybody who's looking for a piercing job because we're hiring? Right. And I was like, well, funny you should say that because I was considering leaving my job anyway. Right. And like you said. Yeah. Things kind of just happen. Serendipity. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, okay, so since I know a little bit about your story, um, not the most fascinating thing about you, obviously, but I think something that just says so much about who you are as a person and just the incredible fucking warrior that you are is that you are a brain surgery survivor. And that I am. An eight-time brain surgery survivor, if I'm correct, right? Uh, many, many times. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like different levels of surgery, too. Like different levels of, like, invasiveness and stuff like that, so. Um, will you take us on that journey of... of wherever you'd like to start. You've told me this story before, and it's just so, so incredible, and um, I'd love if you would share it with us. So I got super sick in uh, 2015. It started out as what I thought was a cold and what every other doctor thought was a cold, and it just, it was this runny nose that didn't want to go away. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's it, it's so hard to even, like, think back to it because I feel like it was, light years ago but literally it was just a really awful what felt like a cold that wouldn't go away and no doctor could tell me what it was so imagine having a severely runny nose okay Mm -hmm. and like runny to the point where when you tilt your head down stuff just pours out of your nose Mm -hmm. Um, now imagine having that for about 10 months and no one being able to tell you why Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that waking up with fevers that come and go all throughout the day. Um, And then eventually 
your nose is leaking so much that when you sleep at night, it just collects and builds in your chest and you choke on it while you're sleeping. Oh my God. And then that eventually turns into pneumonia. Mm. And it was just, it was just almost an entire year of nobody being able to tell me what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Long story short, because I'll tell you, this is a really long story. Long story short, I eventually found a doctor who took me more seriously and did the proper tests and the test came back positive for it being cerebral spinal fluid, mm -hmm. meaning the fluid surrounding my brain had been coming out of my nose that entire time, mm -hmm. which could have also meant that at any moment I could have gotten severe meningitis and died. So once they found that out, they attempted to patch it up. Patch did not work. So they then implanted a VP shunt in my brain. And um, that had tubing that went into like my, like my abdomen and emptied all that excess fluid into there. All was fine for about a year. Started getting sick again, but sick in the form of the worst migraine you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Like ugh, I can't even describe it. Just so much pain. The the pain that came from ugh, it, it's a whole a whole other world of pain. So then I had a doctor who rather he just didn't want to admit that he couldn't help me. Right. So he just tried a bunch of different surgeries, and none of them were working, and. One of the surgeries I caught a massive infection from, um, which put me in the hospital for weeks. Mm. I had to get a, like a pick line. I got stuck um, giving myself IV antibiotics for weeks. Oh it was a whole, whole big thing. It was like never ending. But luckily, I had to really be my own, my own advocate in that whole scenario because nobody, nobody knew what was wrong with me. Right. And they didn't want to... I felt like nobody wanted to admit that they didn't know how to help me. Yes. So rather than trying to send me to somebody who could help me, they just tried a million different medications and a million different surgeries and a million different procedures and nothing was fucking working. Mm -hmm. So I did my due diligence and I found myself a doctor over at Presbyterian Cornell who literally saved my life. Mm -hmm. He did a bunch of tests. He found exactly what was wrong with me, which... It's called pseudotumor cerebri. It's also known as idiopathic intracranial hypertension. Okay. So what happens is, is my brain has builds up the ventricles in my brain are super narrow. Right? It's called stenosis, okay. and it just builds up fluid in my brain. That buildup of fluid was being pushed through a crack that was in my skull, and that's why it was coming out of my nose. So this amazing doctor. Um, we did a couple of angiograms. Well, they, uh, it's pretty cool. It's terrifying, but it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. They snake into your brain while you're awake. Um, they go through your femoral artery, and they go into your brain, and you get to watch it on this big screen. And they're able – yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Uh, they're able to, te to test how high your pressure is without doing – spinal taps or putting you to sleep um, because sometimes they can be inaccurate. So the first time I went, my pressure was high, but it wasn't high enough to place the stent and he didn't want to put it in and just risk something else happening. Okay. So we waited. Mm -hmm. I went in for my second angiogram and while he's in my brain, he is literally saying to me, he's like, Cassandra, you have no elevated pressure at all right now. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, how's it even possible? It's weird. It's like my entire body like reversed it. Wow. Like I just one day didn't have any more elevated pressure anymore. Like that was that. Wow. And he was like, you don't need any more surgery. And I'm bawling. 
I'm bawling. Oh my god. Crying hysterically. Yes. And uh and this guy's just like, Yeah, you you don't need any more surgery. You can come you'll come back every six months, you'll get scans, we'll make sure everything is, is good and nothing's getting worse. And as long as nothing is getting any worse, then you can live a normal life. Mm-hmm. And then literally two days after I had that last angiogram, I was like, I'm getting a business loan. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> two days later, I'm like I'm like, let's go. Yes. Okay. The one so thing did. that I need to interrupt your story for, uh, with, yeah, yeah. is that you said that I was lucky that I kept advocating for myself, and there's nothing. Yeah. Luck has nothing to do with that. You are so strong <laughs> that you kept advocating for yourself. That's not luck. That's you saying, "Fuck these people. I know me. There's something yeah. wrong, and we're gonna get down to this." Yeah. It's it's weird when when you're like chronically ill. And people, like, don't believe you. Because yeah. let me tell you, the entire, you know, 10 months that I had that leak, I was in the ER so many times. And these people looked at me like I had 40 heads. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are you going to tell me? I have a fever every day. Mm-hmm. And a puddle of it, mucus and, like, hanging out every yeah. day. I, I would wake up in the morning with a puddle of liquid next to my face because I had to sleep on my stomach yes. because I would literally choke on it while I would sleep yes. and I would wake up and there would be a huge wet stain around my pillow yes. and these people are trying to tell me I have a cold right oh my god oh it's my god. unreal how much how much you have to struggle to try to get an answer when you're sick yes it's exhausting it's fucking exhausting mm-hmm. yeah but you kept going, man, and you saved your own life. I mean, thank God for that doctor also. Oh, he was an angel. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. I, I just love your story. I think that you are oh, so fucking incredible, dude. You're a goddamn rock star. Well, it's nice to be able to tell it without crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better every day. Well, but that's just, all right, so that's the first half of your story, right? Because it just gets better from there. So then oh, then yeah. you went and got a business loan, and you opened up your own studio. Um, yes, I did. And which is actually how you and I met because uh, you're right around the corner from me. I saw, I followed you on Instagram and I said, oh my God, here's a brown girl moving into the neighborhood. Let me go say <laughs> hi. <laughs> and I just had no idea how uh, incredible you would be. So what, how lucky am I? That's true luck, I guess. <laughs> oh. um, so uh, tell us about the business. So this is your first business, right? It is. And the first time you and I spoke was back in November when we weren't going through a pandemic. When the world wasn't falling apart. Exactly. So, um, uh, it's, I'm also a small business owner, but I've been in business for six years. So I feel a little bit more like we're going to get a little bit, a little bit, not much, honestly, not much, but a little bit more. So I'm, I'm curious, um, how you're feeling about it. I mean, I don't want you to have to tell a sob story or anything, but just, like, how... Oh, no. Is everything, like, affecting you? How are you feeling going through this? And... I am super grateful to not have any employees to have to worry about. I work by myself. I mean, you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, I work for myself. I work by myself. Um, I feel so much for so many of my friends and colleagues who have shops 
who have to worry because I know I mean no business owner wants to just like throw their employees to the side mm-hmm. and say file for unemployment and deal with it nobody wants to deal no. with that so I have a lot of friends who have shops or and friends who work at shops who aren't you know, who are really dealing with it. And I can't even imagine having to be in that position, especially as an owner and having zero income, but trying to, you know, keep your employees afloat because they rely on you. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, it's not an easy task for anyone. And I can't imagine how any of these people are feeling. So I'm really grateful to not have to worry about that. I've learned over the years of having many surgeries and not knowing what, my life was going to be like to save money. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I literally don't buy anything for myself. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, there's two things that I, I don't buy clothes. I don't buy shoes. It's a very rare occasion. I buy any of that shit. I don't buy makeup because my mother-in-law gets me gift cards for Christmas and they, she buys me enough that they last me literally the entire year. So if I need makeup, I just, I've got a stack of Sephora gift cards. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but I buy myself food and first class plane tickets that's Mm -hmm. it those are the only two things that I enjoy purchasing yeah I don't aside from that I just I hoard all my money so I'm right now I'm just kind of living on my savings and taking care of myself and kind of taking this time to focus on what I can do to make my business better and to help my husband out because my husband is one of those people who's been let off and doesn't have any income mm-hmm. and um we're kind of just trying to figure out what our next step is going to be yeah yeah so. uh I love that you said you hoard money <laughs> oh I I don't I literally don't spend money on myself like yes. I'm, well, I really don't who's winning right now honestly you are <laughs> <laughs> I love me a good vacation but I'm telling you that's that's literally the only thing that I spend money on so mm-hmm. my life has the last you know eight months that I've, well, no, oh my God, I've been open for almost a year. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Um, so July will be a year, but, uh, the last year of my life has been just everything that goes into that store. Yeah. Um, and maintaining and just making sure that if God forbid I ever did get sick and I needed to hire someone to run the business for me, I could pay them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it's kind of how I'm dealing with it. Like right. I'm not paying somebody to run my business, but I'm paying myself to run it from afar. Right. That makes- no, it makes perfect sense. And it's really genius actually. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, I mean, I was a stupid kid when I first started my business, but I was just like, ah, oh, this will be something fun that we'll do for a little bit. Let's just like jump in and try it. So um, it's very nice to hear a grown adult a year in. It's just like, I'm a good girl. We're going to be just fine. Not worried about it. Yeah. I mean, I also have just learned to worry less about things. Mm. Life is so insane. Mm-hmm. And granted, this is absolutely horrific. I mean, for everybody, the entire fucking world is just like in shambles. Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of doing my best to keep my head above water at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about losing the business or anything, thank God. Yeah. That's uh, but it's still, it's still 
you know, nerve-wracking and scary and terrifying and, well, when you know. Well, you can't touch people and you touch people for a living, it's a little... Exactly. Right? What is my job going to be like when I reopen? Totally. Not to mention, I work in an, in an industry where we use a lot of PPE. Mm. And I'm not trying to take that away from healthcare workers. Right. So it's like, at what point do we, you know, like, what are we supposed to do? You know? Well, that was my other question. Have you thought about what post-COVID reopening is going to look like for you? Well, I already worked by appointment only anyway. Mm -hmm. It's a very small studio. I, you know, I I keep a very strict schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, All of my appointments prior to this were 30-minute appointments. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to move them to our appointments per person, even if it's for a simple appointment that I know is going to be fast. Because it gives me enough time to thoroughly clean everything that could be touched in between Mm -hmm. clients yeah you know um but i mean it's also hard to really i feel like there's a we have we have plenty of time before we're going to be reopening do you think so so? how long yeah i mean not that anybody wants to play a guessing game but what's your guess (laughs) i feel like june minimum yeah probably mid-june yeah um I, i mean with as bad as New York City was hit, mm-hmm. I think it would be really crazy to open sooner. Totally. I mean, I would love to. Don't get me wrong. Everybody would love to. We all want to get back to work. But right. the reality of it is, is life is not going to be the same moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people really need to just kind of grasp the concept of that because I don't feel like a lot of people really understand, especially in an industry like this where mm-hmm. we're face-to-face, close with people. A lot of shops are really high volume. Mm-hmm. Um and even and like those high volume shops are gonna have to understand that their volume is gonna be cut in half, yes. potentially more than that. Yes. Like even when we reopen, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to have forty people in my shop at a no. time. I'm not having more than one person in my shop at a time, no. and that is gonna be a rule. Like that's just how it's gonna be. Yeah. Um, my my partner's a restaurant owner. And so obviously that's a, an industry that's been hit like really crazy also. And he also has a high volume business. And so, you know, he's doing all of the research and just trying to figure out what reopening is going to look like for him. But the, the one positive thing that I'll say is um, in his industry, a lot of the bigger names have come together to form coalitions and to form different organizations to support sort of the smaller guys and just to have everybody together under one, you know, uh, industry to talk about what's going on, what, what they're going to do in the future. People are talking to Congress about like how they're going to get insurance, you know, for post-COVID world and all of these things. Is there anything like that in your industry? Like, is there, are there any type of organizations or people coming together to to try to figure out as a unit like how to go forward safely? Well, the piercing side, piercing has the APP, mm-hmm. which is the Association of Professional Piercers. It's not an organization that necessarily handles stuff like that, but it's a health and safety organization. It's a nonprofit. So basically, and not every piercer is a member, not every piercer advised, not, you know, it's it's a, a voluntary, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. a voluntary organization. You can be a part of it if you want to. Okay. There are plenty of reputable piercers that follow the same guidelines, but aren't members of the APP. Okay. I am. Um, and they've uh, put out guidelines for what they suggest doing when, you know, for reopening and stuff like that. So it's been super helpful. Totally. Um, but from like a, I mean, I feel like we need something bigger. We need something that can help us, mm-hmm. you know, financially too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, 
they're doing their best and it's 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 good to have it's good to have somebody kind of like give you an idea of what a step in the right direction is yes just the unknown is for everybody is so scary but especially uh i mean for i I hate to say especially because it's it's scary for everybody period oh yeah um and in different levels for us it's scary because we make we work for ourselves so there is no severance there is no other corp i mean you could go get a job with somebody else i guess but was never my plan, you know, so. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, when you work for yourself for a bit, it's like you certainly don't want to go work for anybody else. No, and also, well, I mean, that was just, I, I, I didn't become an esthetician to work for somebody else. I became an esthetician to, you know, be an entrepreneur and do my own thing. Exactly. But, yeah, it's, it's um, I don't even know where I was going with this. It's a crazy world, man. It's crazy for everybody. <laughs> Maybe I should have said it's like then. <laughs> It's wild. It really is. I'm just like, oh, God. I watch the news, and I'm, ugh, I want to rip my hair out of my head. Oh, don't watch it. Oh, I, this my husband said. He, he's like, babe, you, you got to turn it off. you got to turn it off. That that whole first week of being closed down, I was super anxious, and I was also watching the news every day. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, we're turning the shit off. Yeah. And I'm like, I you know, but, like, what's going to happen? I don't want anything to happen. And I, I'm... I'm I'm incredibly emotional. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, I'm an emotional wreck, to be honest. That's um, a sign, not to be that person, but <laughs> I'm a Pisces. Okay, I think you guys are pretty emotional. My mom's a Pisces; she's pretty emotional. Oh, I'm so emotional. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> but I mean, anybody who isn't emotional right now is uh, like a corpse. I would imagine. Like, how can you not be in one way or another? Right? Whatever's right. Going on. Um, it's impossible not to. But let's um, try and talk about something else. Positive. <laughs> something positive. So, what have you been doing, if anything, to to help, like, to take care of yourself in terms of like mental health, in terms of like quote unquote wellness, which is a word I fucking hate, but like <laughs> wellness. I uh, I've been cooking a lot. Nice. Well, I go through these like phases. Um, I cooked for like two weeks straight every single day and then I hit this like plateau and I just I have no desire to cook what do you like to cook? Um, I've been trying to stick to dairy free Mm. meat free products Um, I don't really eat a lot of meat as it is I haven't had meat in months but I'm trying to stay away from dairy because lord knows your girl is inflamed girl I made I'm, homemade ice cream the first week. Yo, I, I'm, I can't even embarrass myself right now on the podcast and tell you what happened. My stomach got so big. It was, I love ice cream. I don't blame you. Dude, I love ice cream, but this was the first time it ever happened. Anyway, long story short, it turns out I'm lactose intolerant, dude. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. I was like, what is this feeling? This is awful. But dude, 75% heavy cream and egg yolks and... Whole milk will do it to you. So oh, yeah. you gotta send me so the dairy free trying to kind of like exactly. Yes. I've been trying to steer clear of that. I um, I've been doing a pretty damn good job. <laughs> I think I, you know, it's only been a couple times. But I also live across the street from my favorite pizzeria, mm. and uh, my husband and I would have like Friday night pizza nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but since neither one of us has anything to do, it's really turned into like getting stoned and eating. Yeah. A tremendous amount of pizza. <laughs> so, there's that. That's your wellness, dude. You should have opened that. That is. 
<laughs> I mean, it is my wellness. It makes me feel better. Yeah. I've been, I've re- I'm really happy that I've been, have been able to spend more time with the cats, too. Yes. Because um, yes. they are my babies. Oh, animals are the best right now. I feel... The uh, best. If you don't have an animal at home, listeners, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry because yeah. it's, like, incredible to have just, like, another creature that has no idea what the fuck is going on out there and it's just like oh you're exactly. here all the time now this is great <laughs> yep just like cuddles um but i i've been baking a lot and mm-hmm. i my, i have the girl that lives a few doors down from me um ironically enough is from my hometown mm-hmm. and she went to high school with all my friends oh, so, so um so we before this happened we would hang out occasionally um but now i bake like muffins and cookies and I bring them to her her door and then I knock and then I run away (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like I sent you some banana bread coffee cake I love it dude so much baking I did so So much baking baking. yeah 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 I'm off the baking train now it's exhausting tired of doing the dishes Um, I'm about to pick up a gigantic bag of yeast that somebody found for me because nice. I haven't been able to find any, yep. so How I'm going to start making all of the bread. How funny are the shortages? Yeast, toilet paper, sugar I couldn't find anywhere for a little bit. Yeah. It's like the strangest, it, it, the funniest things. Like yeast? What? I was checking yeah. out at the grocery store, and there wasn't any yeast on the shelves. And then I saw this uh, a girl go up to the cashier and like whisper, like, do you have any yeast back here? And he like handed it to her. I was like, can, can I get some of that? <laughs> Oh my god! It's like let me get a little bit of yeast. Someone, someone said to me because I had posted on Instagram that I couldn't find yeast anywhere, and someone responded. They're like, "Oh, since quarantine, everyone's become America's America's next best baker." Right. And I'm like, "It's true." Yeah, seriously. It's great. It's time consuming. Yeah. There's, you know what it is? I think people love baking so much because it's so scientific. There's so much that goes into it, and it forces you to really, like, use your brain and, like, pay attention to what you're doing because if you put the slightest amount of something wrong and it fucks the whole thing up. I was saying the same thing to my mom. It's just you and the ingredients. Exactly. I love it. I love baking. I'm all for it. And you smell it when it's cooking. Like, what? Oh, it's such a great sensory experience. (laughs) If you're not baking, go and bake. (laughs) It's incredible. So satisfying. Um, It's kind of nice that we're homesteading and getting back to, like, the basics, you know? A month ago, I don't know if I talked to you for 10 minutes about how great baking is. I know, right? How life changes. Oh, my God. All right, girl. Well, um... Uh, I feel like we kind of got off track because we're in the middle of the pandemic these days, but... I know, right? Um, <laughs> I threw baking into the equation and it fucked everything up. Well, I, I appreciate it. And also, like, the first time around when we were... When I interviewed you, the whole second half was about, like, oh, tell me about the new business, da 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 And it's, like, just not really appropriate to talk about that at this point, so... <laughs> yeah, it's like business isn't even happening. Yeah. But I am doing, um, the closest thing I am doing to business are these electronic ear designs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw those on I, my Instagram. Of course, yes. Very cool. Um, so I've done probably about 100 of them. <laughs> I saw you. She's like turning them out. I was like, oh, she's keeping her hands busy too. <laughs> yes, I need to. I need to stay occupied. I'm the kind of person that will get into trouble if I'm not occupied. Yeah. Um, I can't just sit around and like and read Facebook all day. Oh, no. I can't do it. No. I will get into fights. I can't. I will 
I, I need to like keep myself occupied so I don't get into trouble. Um, <laughs> Even that's just the personality I have. I'm sassy. Yeah. I can't, I can't help so it. Good. That's great. But, um, those ear designs have been keeping me super occupied and I feel like, um, I have a lot of clients that never, you know, that aren't sure how certain things are going to look, um, and they're never sure what they should do. So it's nice for me to be able to give them a way to see how something will look based on their anatomy and stuff like that. So it's, it's fun. Um, actually I need to do that with you. I didn't forget about my birthday gift to myself that uh, it's going to get pushed back a little now, girl. But <laughs> yeah. How's that crunch piercing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, good? Oh, it's great. You know, I never came back in, obviously, you know, to get the bat to size down. down yeah. And now I'm like, oh, this is what she meant by bitch yeah. come back because you're going to get pissed off. <laughs> you don't it's going to drive you crazy. Yes. Um, but, um, no, there's no but. That's it. I want to come in. I want to <laughs> get my constellation in my ear. So when all this is said and done and your girl's got a little disposable income again, I'll, <laughs> I'll be back to you. Yes, for sure. Um, for sure. Will you tell the people where they can find you, how they can support you right now, and uh, whatever you want to tell them? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my shop is right on the border of Williamsburg and Greenpoint. Who knows when it's going to reopen? But I'm located <laughs> at 387 Manhattan Avenue, should you feel inclined when life is up and running again. Um, but I will be working specifically by appointment only, mm -hmm. um, in which case um, people can book at SoGoldStudios.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and it will have a, the appointment page has a vast description of what you can expect when you come in in terms of not bringing friends with you. Like the reality of it is, is people are going to have to be comfortable getting pierced alone because you're not going to be able to bring anybody with you. I don't care if they're wearing a mask. I have a very small studio. You're coming in alone. I, I stand your FAQ page, honestly, because one is you just know this bitch is serious. And two oh, I'm is, serious. Um, I don't know. I like when people are just like, look, you're not going to fuck around with me or my time. This is the way it's going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't want to be that person, but I have to be that person right now, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But um, the shop also has an Instagram page, which is so gold BK. And then I have my personal Instagram page, which is Cassie So Classy. No mm -hmm. E, so it's C A S S I So Classy. Um, <laughs> there's uh, right now I have 10% off gift cards um, to be used for 10% off e gift cards to be used when I reopen. Um, and I also have an online store for some jewelry. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, aside from that, I'm just kind of waiting it all out and hoping that everything kind of falls back into place when we reopen yeah. and that everybody is safe and healthy and you know it's a scary time for everyone mm -hmm. and I hate I hate the idea of talking about myself during a time like this because I feel like there's so much more that needs to be you know that we should be talking about or that everybody should be discussing okay. um girl yes but <laughs> Your but at story, the same time, you have an incredible story of, oh, you know, I what appreciate I mean? it. but also because we're dealing with health right now and your story exactly. specifically is about advocating for your health. And so that's why I dragged you on the phone with me today. And I appreciate and it I so appreciate much. You. And so I understand, I but you're not, I guess I'm saying it because you're not talking about yourself. You're sharing your story to inspire others so that in this crazy time of a health crisis, people know that they can advocate for themselves if they feel that something isn't right say something and don't Absolutely. just take, you know, don't just take the Absolutely. first doctor's advice. 
keep Especially when it comes to health. Like, I never, ever take the first doctor's advice, <laughs> ever, and with anything anymore. Do you know what I loved also about your story uh, that you told me the first time is the doctor who finally was able to correctly diagnose you. You walked into an urgent care on the yeah. 4th of July, right? It wasn't even, like, at a fancy hospital. Nope. I woke up with a fever on the 4th of July, and I went to the urgent care clinic because it was the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I'm... I, I walk in and I'm bawling to this doctor and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And nobody can tell me why. Yes. And she says to me, she goes, wait a minute, could you make it come out right now? And I'm like, yeah. So she gets this tissue and I tilt my head and all this stuff pours out of my nose. And it, she's basically, she was waiting to see if it dried hard or if it dried soft. And it dried soft. If she said it, she said if it was mucus or snot, it would have dried like crunchy. Mm -hmm. So she's like, no. She's like, I've seen this once in my entire career. She's like, you need to go to the ER. So I went to the ER, and they sent me home an hour later. Oh my god! Do you see? Do you see people? You have to advocate yeah. for yourself. You have to. You have to. You're yeah. incredible. You're so, uh, dude. You're a boss bitch and you're a warrior. And thank you so much for everything. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, dude. And uh, I'll see you on the other side of this. For sure. You know where to find me. And yeah. now everybody else does, too, if they need me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also, just a heads up, I get a thousand DMs a day from people that have piercing issues, not just from me, but from piercers anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it's important to tell people, if you do have a question about a piercing, or you're worried about something or anything, just DM me. I don't care if I did it or not. I'm happy to help. And it it helps me pass my time, but it also helps me keep, you know, myself involved in my job. Yeah. Which I love, because the reality of it is, is this, I mean, this industry and this my job is my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, I know. This is the passion I was talking about. Why, why, I was like, no, wait, but where does it come from? Because <laughs> there's so much of it. <laughs> but it's just you. You're just fucking rad and love people. So. I, I do. I love people. I'm. It's weird. I'm very much a people person. Um, it's, you know, it's just how it is. <laughs> but I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Okay, wasn't that story insane? What did you guys think? Um, I feel like in a time of crisis, and maybe a lot of you can relate right now, it can feel like a perfect time to do something you've always wanted, whether it's learning a new skill, making a career change, or just learning to take life one minute at a time. And I feel like Cassie totally did that when she went through all of this and was like, holy shit, this is the time. This is when I'm going to open up my own studio. Um, and I thought that was cool. She was just like, I have been through so much, and this is something I've wanted to do. It's like now or never. Yes. Um, also, yeah, that, the moment when the urgent care doctor was just like, uh, no, babe, that's not mucus. Like, that is brain fluid. Insane. I, like, did your heart not stop? It's insane. I mean, I just didn't... I can't even imagine going through that. I can't imagine just thinking that you have a cold because everybody's telling you that you have a cold and turns out it's the worst thing that anybody could ever imagine. So according to a New York Times article from May 3rd, 2018, titled, When Doctors Downplay Women's Health Concerns, they stated, quote, health disparities are hardly exclusive to women in the United States. If you're not wealthy, not white, and not heterosexual, you may be receiving less than optimal health care. 
It then goes on to say, research shows that both doctors and nurses prescribe less pain medication to women than men after surgery even though some women report more frequent and severe pain levels. And a University of Pennsylvania study found that women waited 16 minutes longer than men to receive pain medication when they visited an emergency room. Women are also more likely to be told that their pain is psychosomatic or influenced by emotional distress. And in a survey of more than 2,400 women with chronic pain, 83% said that they felt they had experienced gender discrimination from their healthcare providers. What's most nerve-wracking about this is there seems to be more stories appearing about this everywhere. I remember when Serena Williams gave birth and almost died because her doctors tried to dismiss her concerns when she told them that there's something wasn't right. She also advocated for herself because she's a goddamn world champ and knows her body better than 99% of us. So if it can happen to Serena and it can happen to Cassie, it can happen to any of us. And uh, we know this is super heavy, but it's also super important to discuss. So to end things on a light note, Alex, why don't you tell us a story that might be better suited for our mini-sode segment? I didn't know then, but I'm older now. <laughs> okay, well, Cassie's story was obviously really intense and it was very serious, but she did touch on a few things that were very relatable for me because we both grew up on Long Island and... Um, I could tell by the way she talked a little bit that we probably hung around similar people. And now I'm curious. I feel like I need to get in touch with her and ask her. Probably, you guys yeah. probably definitely know the same people. I feel like we do. And when she was talking about, I loved when she was talking about how when she was in like middle school and high school, she would just pierce her friends. Totally. Because I had a friend who pierced my ears. He now, he also gave me a tattoo. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, don't maybe don't like, shout him out. Yeah. <laughs> don't blow up his spot. <laughs> right? But this was like 20 years ago. Anyway, no, longer than that. Because I was like 14. He pierced my second hole for on each ear with a safety pin, and they got so infected. They were so infected, I remember thinking that I, I could die from it. Oh my I god. I remember thinking because I didn't want to tell my parents. Right. So I was just like putting rubbing alcohol on them, like who knows? Dude, you're just walking um, around with like ears the size of avocados. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they looked insane. They hurt so bad. I think a teacher of mine said something to me, and I went to the nurse, if I remember correctly. I was like, I was in ninth grade. Um, that's how bad it was. But I still have those holes, so and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was talking about, I also want to know from her. Maybe you can ask her for me. I want to know where she worked as a piercer on Long Island, like the first place she worked at, because. Village Streetwear. I'm sure a lot of you listening, if you lived on Long Island as a teen, you know Village Streetwear because that's where everyone went to get pierced. I I mean, my friends got their Monroe piercings there, their eyebrow. I remember eyebrow piercings were cool. Oh, dude. Before Tiger King. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I got my belly button pierced there. But um, it's just funny. I really, when she was talking about it, I was feeling nostalgic. Yes. So, all right, I think, I, I hope you guys enjoyed that detour. It was really just to lighten up the mood as we wrap up, as we wrap up this but story. But also, you should write to us if you have any piercing stories like that. Yes, please. I do, and I'll save it for next week's mini-sode, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so, so much for listening. This is actually the last episode from our pre-COVID uh, interviews. We weren't really sure what was going to come of this podcast. We obviously didn't know the world was going to look like this when we started. So um, 
we're gonna figure out how to continue. We've got some really incredible guests that we're gonna call over the phone and keep this bad boy going until we can see each other in real life. So, um, Alex, where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn. You can find us on our amazing website, truebeautybrooklynpodcast.com. And if you'd like to write to us, you can email us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at gmail. Yes. And so it's worth noting that the studio is still closed right now due to the crisis. We're not really sure when we're going to be open. So, um... I don't know. Keep listening to us here. Eventually we'll open, I guess. And then uh, we'll see you when we see you. Bye, guys. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.